0: Shalom, and welcome back to, uh, to another journey, another shiur that we want to do here. Um, what I really want to do in this shiurim is really open up a, uh, a possibility of, of exploring a subject more. Um, I've been told that I bring lots of sources and don't tell you what to do with them. Right? So that's fine. That's uh, I'm guilty as charged. And uh, that's what I'm going to do again today, again, based on the parasha. Uh, and what struck me in this parasha, and it's kind of occupied me for a few years now, is uh, the idea of, of kruvim, <laughs> of. Uh, some kind of creature that seems to be symbolized in the architecture of the of the Mishkan, right of the the Tabernacle in the desert, um, and becomes also a central figure in the uh, in the temple, and uh, exists also elsewhere in 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 the Tanakh, um, in the story of creation and. Uh, uh, in various mystical visions of the prophets. Oh, my phone fell. I hope you're okay and continue listening to me. Let's uh let's go into it. Okay, this is Parashat parasha truma. Is that uh, in the details of the construction of the Mishkan we have Three places where where these creatures, kruvim or in English cherubs, uh, this is where they appear. Okay, so one is you have the the ark of the covenant. You have this ark, which houses um, the Torah. <laughs> uh, according to tradition, there's all sorts of things in this in this box. Right, there's a box within a box within a box. And in that, there were all sorts of things. There was the Ten Commandments and a, a Torah scroll and um, all sorts of, of uh, memories of miracles. Um, and on the top of this arc, the top of this box, there was a golden cover that included in the same material, in the same chunk of gold that was the cover, there were also two kruvim, there. And those two kruvim uh, had wings spread out, and they were sukhachim, they were like a sukkah, right? They covered the ark um, with their wings, and they face each other, okay? So that's one place where we have kruvim. We also have kruvim, um, so there's a kind of a cloth cover separating, uh, it's like a curtain, or the parochet, separating between the where the Ark was, so the Holy of Holies, and the rest of the sacred space. Um, and there, on the parochet, in the description of how that parochet was made, it also says that uh, the design of, of Kruvim had to be woven into the parochet. Okay, interesting. And then, the whole tabernacle in the desert was basically a big tent. Um, and on the roof of it, was covered with material. And the material also had kruvim, had cherubs woven into it, or... or um, yeah, there were somehow representations of, of kruvim. In the covering of the whole Mishkan, interesting. Okay, so what are Kruvin? So just to open up the strangeness of this, we can look at Rashi. Rashi is a kind of great gatherer of traditions, also sometimes an innovator, but more a collector. Okay, i am just. Read to you how Rashi describes what the Kruvim looks like in each place. Okay, so the Kruvim on the on the ark. Okay? Rashi says Kruvim Dmut tinoklahim. They had the form of a child's face. Okay, so what do they look like? Like the face of ch- children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That comes from the from the top, right? Um, but then, when he explains what the what the kruvim on the roof of the mishkan looked like, uh, if you look at his comments, he said, "Parzuf uh, echad mikan, o parzuf echad mikan, Okay, he says they were woven into the covering of the mishkan. On one side, there wasn't just one design that went through all the way uh, to the other side of the the covering. On one side, it looked like a lion, and on the other side, it looked like an eagle. Okay, so you have this kruvim, what's kruvim? Lions and eagles. Okay, And then finally, when he's talking about the parochet, that curtain dividing between the sections of the Mishkan, uh, he also comments on kruvim, he says, you should make figures of different kinds of animals what do kruvim look like? different kinds of animals and if you look at all the different commentators they just bring different guesses trying to put together all the different mentions and harmonize between the contradictions so I'll go through quickly but if you have the source sheet uh, you can look up all these references, the Baram says they they were just large birds. Kurovim were big birds. Baal um, Balaturim says that they were uh, friends, the two friends who were st- looking at each other like as if they were debating words of Torah. Um, Bechor Shol says that they, um, as a- another early medieval French guy. Uh, he says they they looked like a bull. Okay. Uh, they have the form of a bull. Um, and there's some modern commentators, modern uh, biblical archaeologists who using parallels to, to other cultures at the same time. They kind of see the um, the kruvim as either either the chariot or the throne of God. You know, so somehow God was sat on the kruvim, and the aron haKodesh, the Ark, was like a footstool of God. Right? We have to think, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And I'd like to point out. Uh, something strange about this whole endeavour, right? We're starting off with an image. There's, a, there's an image of, of a thing. Right? There's a, like I there was an actual ark with Kruvim on top of it. Um, but That image was obvious to anyone who saw it. But as soon as it became a text, it gets a name, so the name replaces the image. And so now we have the name Kruvim instead of the image of Kruvim. Then we lose the arc, we have no access to what that image was. So all we have left is the, is the word. And then the word can look like many things, according to interpretation. So The Kruvim grow, almost, with the, the loss of the image. Um, and. The, that's very interesting. Just in in, in contrast, almost to the um, commandments of two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I read the Ten Commandments, and there was a big emphasis on uh, on idols and images, and you should have no uh, you should have no idols or representations of gods that you bow down to, and so on. And here we have these images, um, and for whatever reason, it was important for the Torah to, to command us to have these Kruvim. But those images in our Jewish tradition now, those images are not something you can bow down to because they're wood. So you study them, <laughs> you study them. They're, they're no more. They're, you don't have the danger of a, of an idol. And you have an invitation to learn. Um, there's different traditions of what they represented, right? There's there's uh, one image I didn't look at so much until now, but it appears very strongly in the in the Talmud um, that the Kravim looked like lovers. Yeah. Um, in the Talmud, it says when the Jewish people would ascend to the pilgrimage festivals. The priests would roll up the curtain for them and show them the Kruvim, which were hugging each other. The, yeah, They were clinging to each other. Um, and the priests would say to them, Look how beloved you are before God. It's like the love of a man and a woman. Okay? So they were embracing, they were uh, like wrapped up in each other. Meorin ze beautiful image, um, and the, yeah, so they would they would take out this image of these kruvim hugging, embracing, loving each other, and they say this is what love looks like. You want to love God? You want to be present in the presence of God? This is how close it can be. Um, and uh, there's more discussions in the Talmud there. Um, maybe I'll finish up with one uh, one explanation of a uh, commentator called Abarbanel, so, the Barbanel. Abarbanel. So he says, uh, what's what's the point of all this, right? What's the symbolism that we're meant to understand from from this image? Um, so he says, "It seems to me that the cherubs had the form of the young humans, without any blemish and having never tasted sin." This hints at the idea that anybody in Israel, a man or a woman, should dedicate their life to the study and the practice of Torah. Yes, you know, so he's saying these these kruvin, far from being angels. These kruvim are actually a, a model of what anyone can be. Anyone can be uh, like this male or female kruv um, in, in the presence of God. That could be any one of us. right? And they faced each other with their wings up high. So what's the, what's the symbolism here? They're face to face and their wings point upwards. So Ababa says, this symbolizes that any Jew should have their thoughts and their wings raised upwards, thinking of worshipping God in matters that concern God. So everyone should be like the Kruveen in terms of the, the direction of their mind. Their mind should always be towards God. Yeah? In, in however much we can control that, we have Kavanah. We direct ourselves upwards, lofty things but one's face should be towards the others, symbolizing the love and solidarity between all people. That's so you have your face to another person and your wings, or the wings of your mind, uh, facing God, whatever that means. And that, that's how you should position yourself. So that, uh, the Kravim are almost a, a model of how to act. Right? There's other explanations there, but that's the one I like very much, and I think I'll finish with that. So I wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom, and I wish everyone an Angelic Karuvik Week.